Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and would the next guest come on down? Today's guest is Christian Carrion, a six-time game show contestant and game show expert who recently released the audio documentary Odd Lang Gone about a lost Carmen Sandiego episode. He is also the host of a podcast called Stranger Than Christian, part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network, and my personal favorite podcast. Just just saying, just adding it, you know. This was honestly one of the best conversations I've ever had on this podcast. One that I will truly cherish and enjoy listening back over and over again. And I hope you guys enjoy as much as I did. Make sure you go support Christian. All the links down in the description below. You can support the podcast by liking, sharing, subscribing, or following on whatever streaming platform you prefer. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. That really does help me out. Like, really. If you want to go further with that support, you should go to the merch shop at pmap.creator-spring.com to where you can see a wide range of amazing items done by some amazing artists to provide some cool streetwear for you. Also, hey, since this is a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network, and Stranger Than Christian is part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network, maybe you guys should further discuss the Apocalypse Podcast Network by going to the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server, to where you can talk about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. In fact, let's hear about a completely different, phenomenal program on the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Art and entertainment inspire each of us in different ways. But have you ever wondered what inspires the people who create our cultural touchstones? I'm Adam Unz, and on the Spark Parade podcast, I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. Everything from Shakespeare to South Park. You'll hear from artists like Connor Oberst on Northern Exposure, Roisin Murphy on Terrence Conran's The House Book, and Adrian Young on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. The Spark Parade, where artists reveal their cultural inspirations to spark the inspiration in you. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Hey, Nathan, can you hear me? I can hear you wonderfully. Beautiful. <laughs> there you go. How are you doing Look, today? I'm good, man. This is weird from the other side. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Holy shit! Are we recording right now? I, I am recording on my end, so I mean, it's one. Of okay, like... I, I am too. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna open my soda. I'm opening my soda away from it. Beautiful, beautiful. I was gonna say. Right, usually, cool. I um. What was I gonna say? Uh, usually I record this little like intro bit, kind of a little bit of chit chat before the actual like questions and stuff, just to kind of ease the audience into whatever conversation is about to happen. <laughs> All right, good. I like that. I uh, like that. A nice normal chat before we get down to business. Uh, exactly. How's that? Does that sound any oh, better? Oh, that sounds a lot there better. There we go. Lovely. Beautiful. Whoops. It... All right, cool. <laughs> there we go. Don't just love technical difficulties when they happen. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I already told you my story about, you know, how I butchered audio uh, atrociously with a guest before. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm still I'm still butchering audio. Listen, last week I thought it'd be cool to like record my intro from my couch because I'm so tired from doing so much stuff and it's gonna sound really cool and really edgy. Meanwhile, I'm popping every fucking syllable I'm saying is <laughs> <and> like <laughs> I sound like a fucking TikTok interviewer. You know how they go on the beach and they just use their phone to like 
interview people. Right. <laughs> sound like a jerk. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, a nice casual vibe more than anything else. <laughs> Oh, well, good. You were the one. Oh, I was the one. <laughs> listen to it. I always, this is what I do because I'm psychotic. I listen to my episodes on the way, either on the way home from work or on the way to work just to make sure it sounds okay. And I heard, I went, holy God, this sounds like crap. <laughs> well, to be fair, I usually listen to my own podcast the day I release them, like going back to it. And then like, I listen to him like, oh crap, I forgot something. Oh, I did that. Oh, Jesus. Oh, but don't you I- hate that feeling? I hate that feeling. I hate when I'm out listening to it and I realize like something is out of place or something. I should have taken something out and I just have to go through the whole day until I get home. And I, you know what I mean? I have to like live with that guilt. Like I put bad art into the world. <laughs> No, so let me tell what you this. Done? Let me tell you this. There was a guest that I had on a while back. The guy's name is uh, David De Pasquale. Uh, he is a character designer for the movie uh, Arlo the Alligator Boy. If you even seen that or whatnot. Um, no, I haven't, but I want to. That sounds great. It, like it was a great interview, but the thing was, whenever I would record the interview, uh, it was like a good couple weeks back before the follow-up series I Heart Arlo. Uh, was to be released on Netflix and such. So I made sure to tell the guests, like, between my intro and... Or between the intro or whatnot, you know, hey, I'm going to say that the thing's coming out tomorrow. I just don't want you to be, you know, taken away from that or whatnot. I'm going to edit this little bit out. I forgot to edit that out, Christian. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's, oh, my God. So it's like, you know, you know, are you, you know, are you good with the answer? Is that, you know, are, are you going to... You know, die on the hill or whatnot. Hey, by the way, I'm going to take this out. Anyways, let's welcome to you. <laughs> See, and that's one of the things, like, and this wasn't by design, but, like, the way I do my show, I always say, like, it's about, like, a natural conversation, you know, because right. sometimes things go wrong and sometimes, you know, things happen and you got to, like, work around it and stuff. Really, the opposite of that is I don't have to edit much of anything, <laughs> which is pretty cool. There was once I was talking to somebody from... I think she was from Argentina. And in the middle of this conversation, she's talking about her job. She works in like foreign foreign currency exchange. And so she's up at the, you know, ass crack of dawn to like be up on all the financial stuff. In the middle of this conversation, I hear my cat scratching at the door and I realize, holy shit, I forgot to feed the cat. <laughs> and so I said, uh, I said, Sabrina, excuse me for a minute. And I opened the door and I pet the cat and I asked my wife to feed the cat. <laughs> and I left it in. And someone on Reddit that week was like, dude, you left in that thing with your cat? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, listen, I'm not. I'm not at. A, I'm not at a fucking studio. This is my home. I'm there in a closet. I, I own cats. There you go. I actually remember you talking about that on a previous episode of your podcast as well. Yeah, once you've been in this for long enough, you start to repeat stories. You know what? <laughs> I am not actually surprised by that because I do that way more often than I'd like to admit. Uh- <laughs> it's it's the, it's the showmanship. You know, if a story works, it works. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially if it's you know. It's a captivating one, if nothing else. And it's always interesting to hear, like, and it always gets the mind going of, like, well, what if you were put in that situation? Goodness, or if I was put in that situation, I don't know what I'd do. I would just have to leave it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, my rule, honestly, when it comes to my shit is like, when in doubt, I'm leaving it in. There you go. I don't. I, you know what I mean? I listen. If 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 something if something big and professional was going to come from this, it would have happened already. At this point, I'm doing this for myself. I'm creating something that years from now I'll look back and I go, "Wow, that was really really cool." You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I, I think so, I'm like right it's there more for me than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, absolutely. All right, Christian, before we really get going, I want to ask the icebreaker question that I've been asking recently. Let's say that you get the opportunity to go to a deserted island. It is just you, nothing else, except you get the opportunity to bring one piece of media or one piece of art with you to make sure you don't go completely insane on the island. What is that one piece you bring with you? Oh, man, a Nintendo 3DS. Ooh. Without a doubt, that is what I'm bringing. I spent a lot of time so i've been i've worked in hospitality in the hotel industry for like six years which i'm sure you know because you listen to the show and uh, (laughs) a year and a half of that i spent working overnight and i got really bored on these shifts i would work you know saturday night would be cool because there was like a wedding and the open bar and all that you know oh excuse me open bar and all that it was always you know some kind of adventure but like sunday night monday night was like such a drag and so i picked myself up a game boy and I picked up a copy of Tetris. And not long after that, my wife bought me my first uh, 3DS for my birthday. Oh, and that that got me really... That got me back into handheld gaming, like portable gaming. And I realized how much comfort I derived from like just being able to play a game of Tetris everywhere everywhere I go. You know what I mean? Like I'm, 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 I'm never bored. It's always fun. I just love having that kind of thing on me. And Tetris has gotten me through so much in my life, believe it or not. It's helped me in terms of my organizational skills. It's helped me in terms of, you know, it, 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 it helps with depression. It helps with anxiety. Just so many things. I owe a lot of my personal growth to Tetris. So that would be the thing that I bring with me. I mean, I can certainly understand, like, even though it's, it, it's supposed, it gives the appearance of like a very simple game. Like, honestly, like if you take the time with all the different skills that you're talking about, I can only imagine how much it can elevate a person when they take the time to really dedicate themselves to it more or less. Oh, totally. And one of the really beneficial things about Tetris is that in the course of the game, what it is, is a decision after a decision after a decision, just one after the other. And you're able to immediately see the effect of that decision. And it's a really mentally satisfying activity. Um, Yeah, man, I I just I, I owe so much of, again, just like my personal growth and my progression as a, just trying to be a good human um i play an hour of tetris a day and i do not regret it it, it is such and you know editing audio does the same thing for me you know where it's okay. like you know you get the pieces you get the blocks and you got to stack them in the right order and you know it, it's it's immensely satisfying you know what because it's like it's both audio and like just video editing because obviously i do a video version with this podcast where i know exactly what you're talking about and it makes a little too much sense so yeah that that yeah, wow. <laughs> I should probably play some more Tetris. Um, <laughs> it helps, man. I'm telling you, it helps. All right, then. But nevertheless, bringing a 3DS with probably Tetris on it, is that your answer? Are you locking that in? That's my answer. I do have I have a couple of qualifying questions. Where am I charging it? Is there electricity on this island? Well, of course. Like I said, any way that you be able to keep using it on this deserted island, you have that with you. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, then totally a DS. Yeah. There you go. That's your Yeah, answer. definitely. Yeah. And uh, so I'll bring, a, I'll bring my DS, and I'll have the YouTube app installed. And every month or so, I'll ask for supplies to be sent to the island. <laughs> there we go. There we Beautiful. go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Then if that's the case, if that's the answer you're locking in, then congratulations, Christian. You've won a trip to the Postmodern Art Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to subscribe or follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. I'm a part of the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com for more about this podcast and other outstanding ones in the network. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. 
He is a game show enthusiast with several appearances on them, a collaborator on Buzzer Blog, an advocate of lost media, the host of the podcast, Stranger the Christian, which is also on the Apocalypse Podcast Network, from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Welcome to the podcast, Christian Carrion! Nathan, I'm not going to lie, your intro made me tingle. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You... You don't know how much I appreciate that because I put a lot of time to like you know think of a solid, make sure I give you the proper platform that I think you deserve because Christian, you I deserve can, it. I can listen. I don't even think I'm worthy of that intro, but thank you very much. Good lord, I love it. Well, I'm glad I can really get this conversation going. But before we really go forward with you know a lot of different aspects, I want to go back just a little bit. I want to know more or less the origin story of Christian. What got you interested in art and entertainment in the first place? I am a child of television. So my dad, um, Alfred Carrion, he is a professional artist. He's been an artist at this point for just about most of his adult life. He went to New York University. He was a, a, a high school art teacher um, when I was born. And he would be out Monday through Friday before I started going to school. And he, I was home with my mom. And my mom watched a lot of daytime TV and a lot of daytime TV in the early nineties was game show reruns. Not, not, not only reruns, but, but new ones. I mean, these days, you know, you have the prices, right? You have, let's make a deal, but there aren't many, uh, brand new game shows on in daytime. Um, but that's the stuff I was raised on, man. And I, something about them just, a tr just drew my attention. I don't know if it was the music or the lights or just the fact that, you know, th these are people playing games on TV. I've always loved games. I've always loved word games and puzzles and things. And so I really grew up in a, a really cool set of, creative circumstances. I mean, there was always art around the house. My dad's studio was always, you know, within an arm's reach. I was, I always grew up around paintings and going to little wine and cheese events and art shows and exhibits. And, you know, my dad had these really eccentric friends who, you know, also created. And so the idea of creating and creating things that, um, you know, that make people talk and make people look, um, I, I just, I grew up around that. And so, you know everything I done, everything I've done in my life, from that point on, has been with the goal of uh, existing in that space. Do you know what I mean? Like I've always wanted to make things that make people happy, make people talk, make people think, make people listen. Um, and I've always tried to exist in that way as well. I'm, I love public speaking. I love, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a natural showman. I'm a natural ham. Um, and so. Yeah, man, that's 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 where I'm coming from. And that's really, again, the reason behind just about everything I do, including the podcast. Oh, absolutely. I mean, trust me, I, as someone that is an avid listener of your podcast, and I'll definitely divulge more to that later. I, I can, you know, I can only imagine just kind of the stuff you grew up around and the experiences that you have with like your father and such. I know one of the biggest opportunities that you've actually had being around art was when your father had a local uh, local access TV show, Mr. Fred's Palette. How did this even come to be and how did you get involved with it? Listen, I tell people about this even to this day and it's 
It's so unbelievable that a kid that age would have access to a TV station, a TV studio, um, a full-featured TV studio, like a control room and everything. Yeah. You know, Citizens Television in New Haven, Connecticut, that going to CTV and taking that eight-week class with my dad and learning everything there was to know about television production um, was a turning point in my life because... You know, kids grow up liking sports. They never get to go to the Super Bowl. Kids grow up liking um, space. They never get to go to the moon. They never get to go to NASA. Um, I grew up loving TV. And before I was even a teenager, I had experience in a television studio. Um, and I'm so thankful that my dad was there. You know, somebody that I trust, the, the smartest person I know, was there to guide me throughout it. You know, to guide me through that, and he was learning with me. Um, you know, my dad had this idea to do a sort of. You know, I look back on it, and it was like a sort of Mister Rogers type thing, but a more urban flair to it. Mm -hmm. My dad is from New York. My whole family is from New York. I was the first generation born in Connecticut, and a lot of his art and a lot of his attitude, even outside of his art, was just informed by his upbringing. I mean. He, you know, he grew up on he grew up on the streets. My dad was homeless from ages fourteen to eighteen. Made a friend who got him into NYU against all odds in the world, and I mean, he was able to flip it around. Um, but he had this idea of a, an art instructional show that came from that angle. It was very real. It was very unprocessed. It was very unedited. And, um, you know, my dad had experience as a teacher. He had been a teacher for 20 years at that point. And uh, it's just something he really wanted to do. We found out about CTV and they had this eight-week course. If you take the eight-week course, you become a certified television producer and you can do your own show and everybody was volunteer all the camera operators all the directors all the producers were you know were volunteer you know we were lucky enough to have our studio across from one of the best pizza places in new haven and by extension one of the best pizza places in america modern pizza because new haven gets voted best pizza in america like year after year after year um and that was the payment for the crew you know if you needed camera operators and stuff you just get a couple pizzas in modern and you have the television crew <laughs> um but just being able to to spend time around all that equipment you know to to play with the tv cameras and to sit in the director's chair and hit all the buttons in the control room just to find out what they do. Um, I, I, I will never forget how fortunate I am to have had that experience. And it really allowed me to enjoy this thing that my life is made up of. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I was raised on TV. It allowed me to enjoy television in a much different way. Even to this day, I feel like I have a different point of view on a lot of the things I see on TV. Oh yeah. I can only imagine it, it, it's, I, I feel the same way when it comes to filmmaking because I went to college to be a filmmaker and now I'm like looking at films and as much as I enjoy a lot of them, but like there are some where I could just critique every little bit or like think, okay, I see what they did there. I can understand how they do that. Like it make it, it changes the experience. Sure, because you me. see it from a creator's point of view. Right, exactly. It's one of those like it, it's, it's both been a blessing and a curse to know what goes on behind the scenes now. <laughs> yeah. 
What kind of films did you want to make? I don't think I ever. I, you were on my show, yes, and I, I don't think I ever asked you that. What kind of films did you want to make? Well, you see, that's the thing, Christian. I don't really want to like dedicate myself to a specific genre or something along the lines of that. Like, if I'm going to make a film, I want the story to be good. Whether like going for the goal of what it's trying to go for. Like on one hand, I made a very serious film about uh, suicide because I wanted to talk about how. Um, it's not just always the people that are in the worst situations. Sometimes it's people that are in amazing situations, but they can't handle it. On the flip mm -hmm. side, I had a short film about a person who just randomly gets the ability to shapeshift and in goofy ways tries to figure out how to be a shapeshifter. You know, like, as long as the story is good for me, that's something I always enjoy when it comes to filmmaking. So. Oh, but that's a great way to be creative, though. Just whatever, whatever strikes your heart, right? Exactly, exactly. And I imagine, you know, for you, you probably wanted the the same instant whenever you actually got uh, into like being a part of the, t the the television business. I guess more or less it was working on Mr. Fred's palette kind of a moment for you to where it switched from just a love for television to a passion and wanting to make it your career. Well, it was. And, you know, I never considered working behind the scenes to be my ultimate goal. You know, and I, I've mentioned this maybe a couple times on the podcast, but I'll tell you, Nathan, my lifelong dream has always been to be a game show host. Oh, That's yeah. what I always wanted to be. Growing up watching that type of TV, I idolized those people, not not for what they like not for who they were on TV, but I just I did you know I, I I like I got older and I realized that I'm not sure I wanted to be a TV game show host so much as I wanted to be somebody who knew how to dress, who knew the right thing to say, who knew when to guide a conversation in a certain way, when to press for more, when to sense something was you know something funny was going to happen, um, and 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 just have those sort of social skills. Um, and, and I realized that as I got older, you know, you romanticize the idea of of what you want to be. You know, my wife wants to be on Saturday Night Live, and she thinks about it sometimes. And she looks at the current climate of TV, and does she really want to be on that Saturday Night Live? No. She wants to be on the one that she grew up watching. Right. And in the same way, I wanted to be uh, the host of the shows that I grew up watching. They don't exist anymore. Yeah. And after that's, after that's off the table, what's left is to find the base elements of that idea and apply them to your everyday life. So I got a job working at the front desk at a hotel. I get to wear a suit. I get to talk to people from all over the world. Um, I, I get to give out free stuff once in a while. And I, in that, I found a lot of fulfillment. And then you combine that with the fact that I get to broadcast from my home every week and, you know, be the type of broadcaster that I want to be. Yeah. Um, it just absolutely blows my mind. But I'm sorry, I got really far away from your question. <laughs> no, no, yes. honestly, this is perfectly fine. I love like conversations that flow a million different directions so you're right up the alley of what i'm looking for <laughs> okay well good well to you know to answer your question more directly yes that was definitely the first time i considered that i could do this for a living and you know when you're 12 13 14 years old doing something for a living isn't necessarily the first thing on your mind right. but you know you think about the future and think wow when i become an adult i can I can do this. I can, I can do like, this can be my job. There are people in the world who make money doing this. Um, 
And again, you know, being able to make art with my dad week after week after week and do it on our terms. I mean, Nathan, we used to mess stuff up on this show all the time. We used to, you know what I mean? We would, we would accidentally let, we would accidentally let prank calls through. I'd switch right. to the wrong camera. I'd accidentally turn his microphone off. One time my dad left his pack of Marb Reds on the, on the table and I had to, I had to cut to another camera and run out and, and, and get rid of them for him. Um, <laughs> It was just very, it was very raw. And I realized that, you know, that is the type of entertainment and the type of TV that I've always enjoyed. I love behind the scenes. I love when TV doesn't know what to do. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? I love those, you know, unpredictable circumstances and how people on live TV work their way around them. Um, and we got to make that. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, and, and, and those, those experiences making Mr. Fred's Palette have really guided my creative energy from that point on i mean to this day to this day i feel like the podcast that i'm doing right now is just an extension not not an extension of that exact show but an extension of that energy i'm i'm you know in honor of those years that i had with my dad making that show um i'm able to do my own thing in my own way Right. I mean, you certainly encapsulated that, if I do say so, because I was able to see a few of the episodes of Mr. Fred's Pat when you had it on your Patreon. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's incredible to just know that like that love especially came from like a young age, and especially that experience with, you know, your dad, more or less. Um, I've also like worked with my dad, but, you know, in a warehouse setting. But even then, like, I know how the experience can be like. It, it can really change how an atmosphere can feel, especially when you're working in that kind of environment, um, especially in the environment for the field that you wanted to work with, which was television. And obviously an extension of that being game shows. What is it about game shows that like drew you in? Do you know, can you think back to what exactly drew you in about game shows? You know, game shows are just meant to be fun. And I think that when you're a toddler sitting in front of a TV, you, you know, you look for colorful things. You look for things that look fun. Um, you know, I, my, my first memories of TV in general are, are, are watching game shows with my mom. And, you know, as I got older, I started to appreciate them as a, a, a very unique art form. I mean, they're, you know, game shows exist on their own in the in the spectrum of TV, there's nothing that looks like them. There's no talk show or no sitcom or anything else that looks like a game show. I mean, that is, it is its own class. Um, and, you know, getting older, realizing that there's a whole world of this stuff that I didn't know existed. Once the internet became a thing, once Game Show Network became a thing, just exploring and finding out new names and new shows. And, oh, my God, there are home versions of these games. I could buy a board game based on these shows. Holy shit. And then just, you know, falling down that rabbit hole and, you know, and, and, and getting even older, linking up with other people who had the same type of childhood growing up watching game shows, meeting people, making lifelong friends, you know. Uh, my, what my best friend Corey Anatato from Buzzer Blog, I met him online 15 years ago through the computer at my public library playing one of the game show games he made in Flash. Oh, wow. Fast forward, I'm the best man at his wedding. It, oh, it, wow! It, it, you know, it, just the connections that I've been able to make. You know, not only in terms of friends, but then you know. Uh, but even talking about this documentary that I made about Carmen San Diego, being able to converse and 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 jump in a Zoom chat with the people I watched on TV growing up, like you know, and and it all started just watching TV with my mom, and you know, 
game shows just did it for me, man. And, you know, maybe it has something to do with the fact that it was regular people. It was everyday people, you know, winning and being smart. It was cool to be smart. You know, my parents always placed an emphasis in my early life on, uh, on learning to read and learning to write. It was always very important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing people... Um, celebrate those skills and not only celebrate but reward those skills um i think you know uh, like attracted me as well just the fact that it's you know everyday people like me i you know i i I could do that and then by the grace of god years later i was able to do that a couple times um (laughs) it's just unbelievable correct me if i'm wrong i think i got it wrong whenever i appeared on your show six times you've been on a game show (laughs) oh six times nathan six six times I've tried out for more than I've made it on. I've tried out right. for a lot of them. I think that's but, probably yeah. the instant for any sort of like entertainment en- entity. You're always going to try out more than you're going to be appearing on one. <laughs> uh, did I ever tell you about the time I tried out for the real world? No, no, you did not. Okay, I tried out. For, I tried out for the real world about ten years ago. They had an open call back when I was living in New Haven, and okay. uh, it was at one. It was at some nightclub, but they opened it during the day, like just to bring in people to interview them. And it was roundtable. They brought in eight people at a time, and each person sort of explained their story. Mm-hmm. This one guy who was who, who sat next to me had this incredibly harrowing story about how he got his girlfriend pregnant, tried to abandon her. She found him. He's raising the kid, drugs, alcohol, money, no job, this, 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 and that. After he finishes telling his story to the casting person, he gets up, takes his chair, puts it over his head, throws it against the wall, and smashes it through the wall and leaves. Goodness. And everybody thinks, oh, God, well, he's going to be a shoe in for the show. The casting lady just took his application and ripped it up right on the spot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that That's not real world material. That is its own separate, like, reality show material right there. No, yeah, that's like that's like Looney Bin material, man. That, yeah, that sounds like, you know, an off-brand episode of, like, Intervention or something along the lines of that, you know? <laughs> right. Goodness. That. It's interesting. I think you even said during our appearance, my appearance on your podcast, that like reality TV is definitely a whole different entity than when than game shows. You know. <laughs> By the way, you were one of my favorite guests I have ever had on my show because you talk in the way that I wished everybody talked. Like you know, <laughs> the show is about you know whatever conversation happens happens, and that's great. And I don't want them to go any particular way. But there was an excitement about you when you were talking about the things that interested you, when you were talking about animation and the opportunities you've had to interview animators and, and people who have worked on movies and TV shows and Class of 3000. And, you know, you were so excited about these things, and I feel like it really came through. Um, I loved it. You were such a good guest on my show, Nathan. Christian, that means more than the world to me to hear that. It really does. I because I was a nervous wreck the entire time I was on your podcast. I am not. Why? Gonna... <laughs> you listen to it. You know it's like no pressure. Right. It should be like no pressure, but like for me, especially whenever I'm like nervous, like I stumble on my words a good bit and I overthink stuff and I say like and such um like way too many times and like I don't know what it was, but like listening to you and actually getting to talk to you for me was like two mental planes but like i tried to keep myself as level as possible because i knew at the end of the day just like you said whenever i told you about meeting uh obviously the director of class 3000 joe horn like whenever i get the opportunity to finally talk to someone that i can't get enough of and i truly you know cherish it, it you know it gets that realization that you're both on this bitch more or less and it's incredible to know that you're both here and on the uh, evil playing field more or less 
I guess it is kind of surreal, and I and I appreciate you saying that about 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 my little show. Thank you very much. But I, I had that experience again making the Carmen documentary. Right. Um, you realize that at the end of the day, yeah, you're both you're both in, on the same plane of existence right now. Yeah, no, trust it, me, it, we'll it's, it's unbelievable. We'll definitely divulge a lot more into that, trust me. <laughs> but I did want to go back just a little bit with some of the game shows that you've appeared on or whatnot. What would you say personally out of all the appearances was like your best like uh, experience? Because I think I already know, but I, I want to hear from the words of the man himself. What would you say is the best experience on a game show you've had? I usually joke around and I say whichever one paid me the most recently. <laughs> Fair. But- Honestly, like when I think about all of them, I mean, the price is right when I went my for my 18th birthday. Right. Like that's what I wanted. He so Bob Barker announced his retirement in October of 2006 and he did his last show in the beginning of June of 2007. My birthday was May 9th. And so I told my parents, I, all I need is the airfare. I know everything there is to know about getting there, what I need to do to get in there, maybe get on the show, but I need to see this guy before he retires because he's not going to do this again. There's not going to be a guy like this again. This is the last really great game show host, and I I, I, I need to go to Hollywood. I, I need to see this. And so for my birthday, they got me the airfare, and I, you know, I... I I got on the plane by myself for the first time in my whole life. I walked from the corner of like Pico and La Brea in Los Angeles. I walked past MySpace headquarters. I walked about four miles to CBS and I just sat on the street and I sat there for three days and I was first in line out of 3,000 people and I made it in and I got on the show. That has to be my favorite experience because I had never experienced that. was my first time seeing a game show live. Right. right. And that, you know, if, 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 fucking ctv was like a paradigm shift for me being able to go to cbs in hollywood and see the show and be on the show and shake the guy's hand and spin the wheel like it just absolutely blew my mind i you know going to see that show was the closest thing to a truly religious experience i had ever had you know you go into this room and like Man, it's even hard to describe. <laughs> it's like you think about your favorite artist, and you think mm-hmm. about visiting the studio where they painted their masterpiece, right. and you just get to like walk in there and see all the stuff that 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 creative experience is made up of. And something Nathan like pulled me, man. Like I was the first one to walk into the studio when they let the audience in, and everything just washed over me. Something pulled me up to the stage, and I I, I went up the stairs, and I just laid on my back in the middle of the floor of the stage and just stretch my arms out and stretch my legs out. And I like felt the energy of the floor, like pulsing through me. I felt like I was absorbing everything I had ever seen that took place in this room was just like passing through me. It was the, I'm telling you, man, the closest thing to like an emotional experience I've ever had. I I can only imagine. I was going to say it was either going to be that or the fact that you got to meet one of your like heroes or one of the legends growing up with Biz Marquis on Hollywood squares. I thought that would have been up there. (laughs) Oh, that's definitely up there, but that's like in a different way. Like Biz Marquis. And and I'm I'm sure we'll talk about hip hop at some point because that is an enormous part of my life. But yeah, yeah, that was, that was definitely an experience. Um, I, I I can, Oh, I hear your dog. (laughs) There's one of them. Oh, (laughs) that's so sweet. That's okay. Um, yeah, man, that was definitely an experience. Um, uh, yeah, just um, 
He's one of those people. I mean, you know, there are people in your life that you'll, you know, like you never think you'll meet. Right. right. You know, they, you know, they exist in your headphones and they exist, you know, as you hear them, um, on your, on your iPod or whatever. I had an iPod back in the day. Um, right. but you know, being able to meet them was unbelievable. We, yeah, man, that, that, that price is right. Experience was like, dude, I'll never forget that. I'll never, I have, I have such vivid memories of that day and they will never go away. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I. Wow, words are wonderful. I had it, then I lost it. <laughs> You're doing great. No, no, You're I know. Great. This happens. To, this happens to be way more often than I'd like to admit. Uh, <laughs> no, me, me too. There you uh, go. Those, like honestly, it's been like 80 episodes. It still happens to me. I still lose my words. I still stutter. I still stammer over myself sometimes. I, you know, it's 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 just part of being part of being human, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I absolutely, you know, just part of being human, especially getting all these incredible experiences like you were talking about with the game shows and such. Um, and obviously you said yourself, you know, some of the game shows when you were growing up aren't the same game shows as today. But I have to know because I, you can correct me on this. I think there's a true art form when it comes to a good game show, more or less, just at, like encapsulating and such. So for you and your opinion, what makes a game show, like what's the difference between like a good game show and a bad game show in your opinion? Well, oh, see, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> so when it comes to a good or bad game show, I mean, clearly a good game show is like one you can play along with. Right. So they're, you know, they're really simple games that are presented in an accessible way. Um, they look fun. They sound fun. They get you, you know, they get you engaged as a viewer. They get you engaged as a participant. So, you know, shows like Wheel of Fortune. I mean, you can't walk by a TV with Wheel of Fortune on it and not try to solve the puzzle when you see it. Right. You know, that is like the it's the ultimate in terms of like that play along factor. So, I mean, that's clearly an element of, like, a good game show. And bad game shows are complicated and not very fun and unfair and, you know, all of those things. I feel like I have a different perspective on this question because I've seen... I've seen so many game shows from the, you know, from the past 40 years or so. Right. So there are, you know, there are good game shows that, in my mind, are good in their presentation. It's a good show. You know what I mean? But the game itself might not be... There was a show in the mid-70s. Oh, excuse me. Are you good? <laughs> I burped right in my fucking microphone. See that? <laughs> I heard it. Trust me. Yeah, Anyways. 80, fu 80 fucking episodes. I still burp in my fucking microphone. <laughs> There's God no shame in that. <laughs> God damn it. Leave this in. Please leave oh, this in. No, trust me. I, I, I attended This is Nathan's it. reminder to not cut this out. <laughs> Nathan, you're listening to this episode right now. Don't cut this shit out, man. No, you'll understand. I'm gonna be hearing this like when I'm listening back to it, like at work after it's already been released and everything. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Well, just when you're listening to it, just remember this is this is part of it now. Okay. Cri but... Christian burped into the fucking microphone. <laughs> Anyways, you were saying that there was anyway. a game show back in the '70s that I assume you yeah. had like a great presentation. <laughs> Right. So like there there are good game shows that are like not good games but they're incredible shows. There was a show in the or in the mid 70s called The Money Maze. Ooh. The Money Maze was on ABC in the daytime Monday through Friday. It was hosted by George Clooney's dad. 
And the centerpiece of the money maze was this 50 by 50 foot maze. And they had two married couples. One of them would be on stage answering questions. The other one would be in the maze. The the walls were, you know, seven feet high. And throughout the course of the game, they would run around and try to find prizes in the maze. And the game itself, kind of weak. But the, but as a show, mind blowing, absolutely right. mind blowing. The show took two days to set up for a taping. It took one day to break down. They had to put up this fifty by fifty foot maze, you know, twice a week, every week for however long the show was on. One of the people who worked on the show said that that was the only show where the crew took home more money than the contestants, <laughs> with all the overtime and all that for you know, like for building it. But right. you know, show, shows like that that are like you know, clearly not well remembered, but they're just incredible, like, you know, you talk about uh, TV as an art form. I mean, you know, the mid-70s was was a peak for that type of entertainment. You know, in 1975, there were something like 39 different game shows on the air that you could watch in the course of a week. Like, that was the type of TV back then. And, you know, it's just like the music and you have these, like, swirling lights and, you know, the even the set design with all the shag carpet and orange and green and, you know... It was just that that type of show doesn't exist anymore. But that is, you know, if you talk about game shows as art, that's a definite moment in time where everything looked like that and everything sounded like that. Yeah, I mean, it, if nothing else, like today, it'd be considered nostalgic. But like back then, that was the style of the time, you know, like. <laughs> it, yeah, it really was. And, you know, TV is the type of thing where if one thing is successful, if one show or one look is successful, all the other ones copy from it, which is why, you know, you get reality shows where everything kind of looks and functions the same. You get a lot of shows after Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came out, which was like an incredibly influential show back in the early 2000s. Everything had these, you know, uh, black shiny floors and dramatic music and, you know, big spotlights and all that. Like that was that was a whole aesthetic. Um, Yeah, the 70s was just like that. If you ever get a chance, and maybe I'll send you a couple links so you could understand what I mean. But like, Mid-70s game shows have this, like, hypnotic, almost psychedelic quality to them. Right. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's it just, again, just a moment in time, man. Just a product of, of all, the, all the creative influences and design influences around that time. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable to see the stuff like that. Kind of an offshoot of what you said. It was the 70s. It was cool. Um, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, and please do send me those links. I am definitely intrigued. Just not, not just with like game shows, but kind of like the production of it as a whole. Because I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan of always like that behind the scenes stuff. I know I kind of mentioned that to you. But like getting to know kind of what went into, especially like game shows and such. Like that is just a whole entire, I imagine that's a whole entire rabbit's hole on its own. i'm telling you it really is it really is it's almost you know they're almost dreamy they're almost like how did this how did this exist you know what i mean i mean i know you personally tried to get as much involved with it not just being a contestant on it but through buzzer blog you guys almost got a or you at least got a game show concept to be optioned out if i correct me if i'm wrong you know i've never told that story i'm waiting for the story (laughs) so this was um, 2014, okay. 2014, um, the year prior, I was a contestant on a show called the chase on game show network. Mm-hmm. And in the process of becoming a contestant and taping that show, I got to be 
pretty good friends with a guy named Bob Bowden, who was the producer of The Chase, also had a hand in creating Game Show Network back in the day in an indirect way, responsible for a lot of what makes me who I am today. And, you know, it's always been a, a privilege to know this guy. I was at a point, Nathan, where I was really depressed. I had been unemployed for like nine months. I had just moved to Pennsylvania with the promise of being able to work on a on a uh, on a on a proposed game show for VH1 that okay. we taped the pilot for. Never went anywhere. The network said no to it, and so I was stuck just trying to pick up the pieces. I really thought that was going to be my future, um, and you know nothing worked out. And I just again had been without a job for months and months. And at the same time, my buddy Corey. Uh, texted me one day, and he said, Mario Kart with trivia questions. Ooh. And I said, okay. And I thought about it, because Corey and I have this habit of, like, if we have an idea for something, we'll just text each other, like, the one-sentence pitch for it. And then we'll just sort of work it, we'll toss it back and forth and turn it into a thing. So eventually, we came up with this game called Sabotage. And Sabotage had, like, a spy motif to it. And it was three players answering questions. Every once in a while, they could use their points to buy sabotages, to buy things that would make the game more difficult for the people next to them for the next few minutes. Okay. And it it I was so proud of it. And I I told Corey, I said, you know, if we send this to Bob Bowden, I bet he would at least give us some advice. He would at least say, Hey, this is a good idea. So I emailed Bob Bowden one day and I said, Hey Bob, suppose two of your handsome ex contestants had an idea for a game show. What would they do with that? And within the hour he emailed me and said, I would tell those handsome ex contestants to call me. And he gave his he he gave me his cell number, and so I called him. And as nervous as I've ever been in my life, Nathan, I pitched him the idea for the show over the phone, and he loved it. And he, we spent the next few months just like tweaking it and coming up with you know different rules and stuff. And you know, well, what if this happens in the course of the game? What should we do then? And you know, just kind of working it into a really solid idea. And it came time for us to tape something. We had to like make an episode of the show. And so I got to live out my dream and host a game show for the creator of Game Show Network. There you go. And it was <laughs> it was it was an unbelievable experience. I have the video of this. I have never shown anyone, Nathan. I will send you the link to this. But you have to promise not to right. show anyone. <laughs> right, right, right. No, trust me. I, I can only imagine on top of a million other things, there might be some NDA lost in there. But I completely understand. And uh, trust me, full discretion, I am not going to leak anything. Oh, no, no. It's all good. It's Yeah, no, it's not It's not, It's not. not a legal thing. It's more like uh, my shirt didn't fit, and I don't want anyone to see that. <laughs> oh, come on. You weren't um, trying to go for the vibe of, like, Mr. Fred's with this, you know, big-time production game show that you wanted to host your entire life? <laughs> I'll tell you what, since you've seen Mr. Fred's Palette, I will tell you that this show had definite Mr. Fred's Palette vibes. We okay. taped it in an old warehouse right outside of Philadelphia. Like that was Ooh. our studio. Um I'll say I, I, I think I think you'll enjoy it. But anyway, um he saw what we what we taped, he loved it, and through his production company, he started pitching the idea to different TV networks around the world. That it never went anywhere, but just the fact that we made it to that point, you know, yeah. I you know. Dude, Nathan, in my life, like up to this point, dude, I have had so many experiences that just like blow my mind when I think about them. 
You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, you ever think about the people you've talked to for your show and the questions you've been able to ask and the insight you've been able to uh, gain from these people that have been on your show? And you ever just sit there and think about it and like, holy shit. Christian, you know what I mean? Every single time I mention this podcast and every single time I get some, like, feedback from someone talking, telling me how much they love my podcast or what they've got from my podcast and such, like, it's that moment that just kind of clicks. Because, like, if I think about it, like, I've talked with people that have – again, been a part of like my childhood shows. I've been able to talk to people that make the art that I absolutely love and getting to talk to them and really get to know some of them, be friends with some of them and such. Obviously you could definitely attest to that with the fact that you've basically got to be as close to having a game show as you've ever been. Thanks to some of the connections and meeting some of the incredible people you have. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's one of the things that if I had kids, which I don't think I don't think it's in the cards for me to have kids, but if I were to have kids, it would, be, it would be one of the things that I would teach them as a sort of life lesson. You know, you find the thing that you're most excited about and communicate that excitement to whoever you can in any way you can. Mm-hmm. And something will happen. Somebody will see that and go, let's get let's give him a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's happened in a lot of little ways in my life. It's happened in some big ways, but it's happened in a lot of little ways as well. But, you know, people love when someone else is passionate about a thing. Mm. You know, I love when somebody and, you know, like I've explained about you being on my show. I love when people are passionate and when that passion comes through and you see like what this what this subject does to this person, how it makes them who they are are and why they love it so much like you know those are things that come through just from someone talking about how much they like game shows or how much they like animation or how much they like movies and you know that's 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 one of the best things you could do with life is to just like convey that passion to everybody around you oh absolutely and i can tell trust me just been the short time we've been talking alone i could tell that there's a lot of love and passion with all these instances in your life and such like goodness you said yourself sometimes you step back and be like I imagine for you, you have to sit back and be like, "How the f- what the fuck did I do to deserve this? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I think about it. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, they're not incredibly significant experiences. But to me, they are. To me, they're they're huge. Yeah. Um, yeah sometimes I think about it like, what, what, did, what, did I, what did I do? You know, how did this happen? I mean, I know one of the biggest instances you have is one of the ones that you recently released, and that is your audio documentary of Auld Lang Gone, The Lost Carmen San Diego. Um, I have to ask initially, when it comes to just this, what was kind of the seed for for the production of this and being able to go down the rabbit hole of is there a lost episode in the first place? Well, you know, it started as a written article series last year. I I wrote it about a year ago and I was home in the midst of lockdown and I was still coming off that feeling of, you know, I've been home for months. I should probably make something. I should probably be creative and exercise that part of my brain. And that's where the podcast Stranger Than Christian came about. Mm -hmm. And that's how this article series came about. You know, I've been uh, a patron of the online game show community for years and years and years and you know in that particular fandom as i'm sure there exists in you know fandoms related to things that you might be interested in nathan there are rumors and there are things that people have seen that they can't talk about and things that exist somewhere in the recesses of history that you know are lost or you know rumored or and this was one of those this rumor had been around 
for maybe like a decade or so. Right. And, you know, bumming around the internet, I realized that there was never any real hard research done into the existence of this lost episode of Carmen San Diego. It seemed to be one of these things that, you know, people read and it just sounds so incredible and so cool that they decide to take it for face value. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, I bet I could figure out whether this exists or not. And, you know, writing the article was not only a lesson for myself in terms of like, I had been out of journalism school for years and years, but I can still write. I can still, I could still, I can still do research and, 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 you know, be a journalist. Right. Uh, it was also a lesson in just how big buzzer blog had become. Okay. My buddy Corey started that from his computer in his room, you know, 12 or 13 years ago. Now it's the number one game show website in the world. And people who from all over the game show universe consult this website and and uh you know realizing how much clout the site had and just realizing how far i had come as a writer and as a researcher and as a game show enthusiast um to the point where i can email these people and say hey i'm I'm working on an article can you help me and they say yep and that's it you know like i said in the documentary like these people did not have to give me the time of day right but they did and so, you know, the articles came out incredible because I just I, I talked to all the right people and all the right people got back to me. And, you know, so this year to celebrate not only the one year anniversary of the articles, but the 30 year anniversary of the premiere of the original Carmen San Diego on PBS, I produced a retelling of those articles. It's a, more of an audio documentary. Everybody who participated in the research for it, everyone who, who emailed me back then, um, lent me their voices for use in this thing. Um, and so I got to start a documentary alongside Mark Summers from Double Dare, which yes. is pretty cool. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's, it's available on all the major streaming services. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on Google, it's on all that stuff. Buzzerblog.com as well. It's called All Lang Gone, The Lost Carmen San Diego. And I, it's probably, other than my podcast and my marriage, the thing I'm proudest of in my life right now. Absolutely. Christian, I'm not going to lie to you. I've listened to that documentary at least like 10 times at this point. <laughs> Jeez, thank you so much. <laughs> because like, Thank you. That's amazing. I, I, I'll definitely, I definitely want to say this just right off the bat. It's one of those like actually like listening to it and hearing kind of the rabbit hole you went down, but also like the way you told the story, it wasn't just like a good investigative piece on, you know, what could potentially be a lost episode, whether or not it's there. It wasn't just, you know, a good information on the back story of Carmen Sandiego and all the people involved with that and whatnot. It was, in my opinion, a good love letter to game shows and the power that they have as a whole. Because, like, you talking about how you were influenced by both the show and just game shows as a whole, like, inserting little tidbits about you, like, going to the library and such. Uh, getting the original cast and crew and such, like, on as many as you can to be a part of that uh, and to show kind of the love that they exude like for this program and showing kind of how game they were for this entire experience and such the little bit at the end that you had after the actual documentary, like that's one of the most touching pieces I've heard in any sort of media, not just what you've produced. Like it is a great representation of the power of game shows as a whole. And I appreciate you taking the time to actually make it a reality. 
Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that part at the end was actually me and, well, you know, but that was me and the original host of the show, mm-hmm. um, who was an incredibly cool guy and um, was very helpful in terms of, you know, he, he, like, he jumped on a record session with me and just said, I will say whatever you need me to say and just gave me everything. And I was able to talk to him while we were recording and i was able to ask him ask him questions about working on the show and just what that experience was like and what it means to him now because you know now we're in the midst of this whole nostalgia boom where you know everything old is new again and we're seeing a new legends of the hidden temple and we're seeing a new double dare and we're seeing a new this and a new that and um you know for for for, like for the people who participated in, in that stuff way back when it has to bring up a lot of surreal feelings for those things to suddenly become popular again, you know, for that cycle to come back around. And so, yeah, he had a lot of really cool things to say about that type of stuff. And he was just really cool to talk to. I'm surprised you didn't, I don't know how much that you actually recorded, but you should probably save that for a future episode of stranger than Christian. Just now nah, I'm joking. Uh- <laughs> Listen, I, I will do something with it. We talked for about okay. half an hour total, Oh wow! but I, 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 I have plans. Okay. I have plans. Believe me. Okay. I mean, nevertheless, like I, I loved that documentary just as a whole, just all that you put into it, all that was involved um, from the people as, you know, people that I imagine are extremely important, you know, as a whole, like, you know, Mark Summers, the original host, your wife, including all of them as, as a part of it was absolutely incredible to see the finished product, to hear the finished product, nevertheless. Yeah, that was one of the cool things was being able to involve people that I know um, in it. So, like, my wife was in it. Um, a lot of people who, who read Buzzer Blog, I, I, I solicited voices from them. Um, and, you know, these people were so excited to be part of it. And it was just, you know, I really just kind of got the whole team together on it. And, and that felt really cool to, you know, because I feel like, you know, when you're a fan of something really narrow, when you have a very esoteric, narrow interest, it's easy to automatically assume that people won't understand it. And as a result, I think a lot of people who are really into something very narrow or, you know, uncommon, uh, you know, they get defensive and it's hard to truly understand what that type of stuff means to a person like that because they'll never let you in. I, 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 I've always wanted to be accessible and I've always wanted my, my, my passion for television, my passion for game shows, my, my passion for broadcasting. I've always wanted to be accessible in that. I, I, I want to let people in. I want people to understand. I want to at least help you try to understand. If you don't, that's fine. I'm not going to force you, but you know, I, I, I'm an open book in that way. Like I, I want you to see how these things, um, how these things affect my life. And so, you know, I, I've always been about getting people involved, and you know, um, and and just and just sharing that love with as many people as possible. So to have all those people help me out was uh, a definite realization of that. Oh, absolutely, it's more or less just like my mentality when it comes to just any of my passions. It's one of those I'm not going to force anything onto you, but if you're curious, I'm more than willing to welcome you welcome you in with open arms so of course of course and, and listen that's the way to be right mm-hmm, absolutely uh, i know another interest that you had that we kind of teased that a little bit is hip-hop as well and we kind of divulged into that whenever we were talking uh on your show but i just have to ask what is it about hip-hop that like gets you going as well that to me it's just it's just good music man yeah. and that you know goes back to my dad as well my when my dad was an art teacher in bridgeport connecticut which, if you pardon the expression, Bridgeport was the hood in many, many ways. And my dad, one of the 
One of the genius things my dad did in that part of his career was he adapted to those surroundings. And as a result, he became something like a father figure to a lot of these kids. Mm -hmm. And part of his... like part of the appeal of his class was that he was he was a little younger. He 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 understood that sort of urban dynamic. He was the only teacher with a stereo system in his room, and kids used to bring him tapes, and he played tapes during class. Um, my dad was actually the first one to teach me that if you take masking tape and put it over the holes on a cassette tape, you could record over it. And that, that changed my life in many, many ways. But um, it was my dad's art classes at Wilbercross High in Bridgeport that put me on to to hip-hop and you know this was back when my dad used to bring me to his classes once in a while i was three or four years old so we're in what 1993 94 like the golden age of hip-hop and so i grew up listening to a lot of this stuff a lot of a lot of epmd a lot of biggie a lot of main source a lot of just like east coast hip-hop um and that just kind of planted itself in my brain. And it wasn't until years later that I took the J7 bus to the Connecticut Post Mall and bought Kanye West College Dropout, brought it home, locked myself in the room, and listened to it four times in a row beginning to end. And I emerged from that room a hip-hop fan. Like, I was a true fan of it. And that was the, you know, that was the first time I had ever purchased music to own, you know, myself. Right. Um, you know, I had always grown up kind of listening to the radio and kind of hearing bits and pieces here and there. Um, and then the internet once in a while, I'd download like a song on LimeWire or whatever. But, um, you know, that was a transformative experience for me. And, you know, that music brought me to all kinds of other genres. I mean, you you know, you, you listen to Kanye, especially back then when he was real sample-based. And you start discovering the music that he sampled, and you realize that this hip hop is made of disco and jazz and soul, and 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 old like old Negro spirituals, and you know, and 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 those each of those types of music are like whole universes in and of themselves, right. and then those are connected, and then you know, and it's just it just really shaped how I enjoyed music, but it, it all started with hip hop it really opens up like just a, a door of possibilities and different examples of music and such. And Kanye is probably like the best example of that, especially with that college dropout tape or whatnot. I actually have that CD in my car, but Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a classic man. Yes. And that, you know, and, 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 and I feel like you and I maybe relate to it in a different way because college dropout was a realization of that, like do it yourself aesthetic. I mean, this yeah. guy made all the beats by himself, wrote all the lyrics by himself, came up with the marketing, like the marketing plan, the art for the album, you know, it was it was just a, a a complete product of his creative vision, and I identified with that to a certain degree. And that was honestly one of the moments in my life, maybe even the first moment in my life, where I realized I can make all of this on my own. Yeah. If I have a good laptop and I have time to spare and I have the I have the energy to do it, I could make something like that. I could make an album. I could make a show. I could make a I could make a game show. Like all these things just like combined. I was like, holy shit, I could do any of this stuff on my own. I don't need anyone else. You just need to just do it more than anything else because it's the drive yeah yeah because at the end of the day and this is something i've talked about with previous guests before like especially if it's something that you want well if no one else is gonna do it for you fuck it do it yourself <laughs> that's the way to do it especially with the internet man you know what oh, i mean yeah. like and like that was a big game changer for me you know realizing that 
And this is going back to when I was um, I was working on Sabotage with Corey and Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that I was able to fulfill a lifelong dream mm-hmm. of hosting a game show that was going to be screened in Los Angeles, California. I did that all from my bedroom in Lancaster, fucking Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, are you kidding? That's the future, man. You oh, do. Yeah. I don't. I do not have to move to Hollywood to pursue this. If this is what I want to do, I can do it on my fucking computer. I, I can make it myself. Exactly. Who, who who else do I need? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, especially you know, especially nowadays, especially in the past couple, the past year or two alone, with how everything has just basically gone digital, it's more than reinforced that at this point. Really, it, it really has. This is we are in the midst of a creative renaissance right now. Yes, we with are. everybody realizing that they have. Oh, my wife dropped a fucking big spoon out in the kitchen. You hear that? <laughs> I heard that. Where's that shit? That's her putting the fucking dishes away. She's gonna yell at me for not putting them away. It's it's fine. Um, I'm leaving that in as well. Uh, <laughs> good, good, good. Leave it in. No, leave it in but yeah like you said like we are definitely in the middle of a creative renaissance and especially nowadays with the internet basically giving us whatever supplies that we kind of really need to make what we want happen what better time than now right you know eric andre yes i love eric andre so you know he created the pilot of the eric andre show he filmed everything himself and then downloaded a copy of final cut pro off of pirate bay and installed it on his computer and edited his pilot himself that's how he got his show I'm not surprised by that, honestly. I really am amazing, not. right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and look where where he is now. He's one like when people think of like obscure comedy, more or less, he's probably the biggest name out there at the moment. <laughs> oh, he's the man. He's the man. <laughs> he is the man. Now, obviously, you know, with all these different influences that we've talked about and all the different stuff that you've had your hands in, it's kind of been a giant culmination. What is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> a culmination of all these different aspects of how you grew up into quite possibly your biggest project to date, and that is your podcast, Stranger Than Christian. How did this concept even come to be in the first place for you? Well, you know, that was something that I had been thinking about for a long time. I had been working at the front desk of a hotel in Lancaster for a while, and one of my favorite aspects of that job is being able to meet people from all over the world. Lancaster has a huge... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's very tourist-driven. People come to see the Amish and see the farms and see the shops and you know try the food and all that. And as a result, people really from all over the world come to Lancaster. And I was meeting them, and it was really great. And I, 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 you know, I wanted more. I wanted more of a connection to these people than just like the two minutes it takes them to check in. Like I wanted to, I wanted to get to know these people. Right. And uh, you know, I realized, you know, again going back to what I was talking to, again going back to what I was talking about earlier, um, the idea that if I want to make something, I can do it myself. And I was listening to some podcasts and. You know, I wasn't like a huge fan of what I was listening to. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was very self-aware and very, uh, you know, almost too polished for me. Right. I'm the, you know, I, I, I was the kid who grew up making Mr. Fred's Palette with my dad. So I had this appreciation for, you know, rough media. And so I said, I wonder, I wonder if I could do this and have the only elements of the show be me, the person I'm talking to, and our microphones. Yeah. And that's it. And I'm like, what if the first word of every of every episode was hello? Mm-hmm. 
And that's how it starts. There's no plan. There's no script. There's no nothing. And, of course, a lot of people say that, you know, I'll make a podcast. It's going to be me and my friends talking about whatever we want. And that, more often than not, doesn't go as well as it sounds. But I thought by focusing on the idea that these are complete strangers. I've never had a conversation with any of these people before I'm talking to them on the show. Mm -hmm. I thought that that would provide enough intrigue that, like, okay, maybe somebody would listen to this week after week after week. And so... Um, excuse me for one second. I don't want to burp on my microphone again. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thought that would I thought that would provide a little more intrigue, and maybe somebody would want to listen week after week after week. And so I made about four episodes, and I was really nervous to make these episodes, Nathan. Like I remember the first one I ever did, I was freaking out because I, I did I had no inclination that this would go well i only felt like maybe this would be kind of fun right you know um but i had no idea if the other person would be you know would go for it i had no idea if 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 i had the skills to hold the conversation um and i was so nervous i remember finding i i had my wii u hooked up to my tv and i opened the youtube app and i searched for waves crashing on beach 10 hours and I played it on the TV, and whenever I had my laptop set up and my microphone, whenever I got nervous, I just stared at the beach. There you go. And that's how I got through like my first episode. And it turned out that people were really excited to just have a conversation the way people used to have a conversation on the phone back in the day. Like there's a certain sort of intimacy you get when one, you're not looking at the person you're talking to and two that other person is letting you talk it's very rare that as humans we have conversations these days where one person isn't actively trying to get out of the conversation or steer it back to themselves or otherwise kind of tune you out yeah so i realized that and, and it's funny because everything in my life creatively would lead me to this point where if you're going to be a broadcaster, you have to always know the right thing to say, and you always have to have the right response and, and be funny and be witty and be clever. But it turns out that the best episodes of these, at least in my mind, are the ones where I say relatively little compared to the person I'm talking to. Oh, yeah. If I give them the episode, I give them the show, like that's what it's about. you know. And of course, of course I try to relate it to myself sometimes. I try to, you know, if we have some shared experiences, I, I, I think it's interesting to have a conversation or an interview where the person who's interviewing is also sharing of themselves. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, at, like at the end of the day, each episode belongs to the person it's named after. Like the episode about Nathan was like, that was about you. Like that was you. Right. You know? Oh, no, um, so anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I made the four episodes and I started working full time at another hotel and I just kind of fell by the wayside. Then lockdown happened and I got sent home from work and I was, I was home and not talking to anybody and, and I missed people. Right. And so I ordered, I ordered a fucking microphone and soundproof foam off Amazon and I built the studio. I said, I'm going to do the show again. And here we are 80 episodes later. Yeah. Goodness. Like it's been quite a journey for you. Um, I, I, I know you said like your personal favorite ones are obviously the ones where the guests kind of take more. Is there any like highlight guests that you can think of other than, you know, saying the kind words earlier about me? <laughs> well, other than Nathan, I don't know, man, that's a short list. <laughs> Like every episode, it's hard to pick one favorite because I, I like right. every episode in its own way. I mean, th- there have been episodes where, you know, 
I will I will start crying. The guests will start crying. Like we'll realize we've had these like experiences or, or you know, it'll like we'll bring up something that's happened in our life and you know, I'll start talking about just how much I've always wanted to be a broadcaster and it just it just it just naturally makes me emotional. Um those are very special to me because I think that that's a type of emotion that 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 can't really exist in most media. Like you can't you, you know, you can't write that. Um you know, so I, you know, I like those. I, I just, I, it's hard to pick one because again, every episode just has something special about it. Um, and every episode to me is just a re, uh, like a reaffirmation of that idea that like, if I want to be a broadcaster, I can do it myself. Boom. I'm a broadcaster now. And that's how it goes. You know what I mean? Like every time I'm able to do an episode, it's like, just like a re, uh, like a reaffirmation of that. Oh no, absolutely. I was going to say as someone that listens to the episode like to- listens to just about every single episode, I totally understand where you're coming from, especially the fact that like each conversation is like unique on their own. I know for me personally some of my favorite ones um like the number one for me is not even my own episode. It's uh, listening to to Jim Jim McCrowd or Jim. I, I put my, put oh, name. Jim McCrell. Yeah, Jim he McCrell. was he was a game show host back in the day. Yeah, like listening to his story and just like the the interactions that that he had had. Like it's incredible to like hear that kind of like fun, you know, almost like the the throwback nostalgia that you were talking about earlier. But like on the flip side, um, like uh, fellow podcast host Honey Leave It, uh, her episode, like hearing just how dark and deep like it got for her at times with how she was what an incredible story that was right absolutely was um ash listening to to her story as well like listening to how like ghost had like affected her and all this you know how it's a big part of her life and such and how you were able to relate to that um and again on the flip side like talking to patrick the former wrestler who knew who knew your gig from the start and was trying to go a hello and from you instead of the other way around (laughs) (laughs) that bastard (laughs) (laughs) like uh, hearing just all these incredible stories from strangers nevertheless like it if nothing else it really showcases just how incredible how incredible is for a person that if given the opportunity how incredible individuals can be just as a whole like i can imagine how this for you going on this journey and that was uh going back to talking about the love of game shows the fact that these were regular people doing extraordinary things Mm -hmm. like that was a huge influence for me and so I feel like in that way the podcast is a definite like you know like you used the phrase earlier a love letter to the type of entertainment I grew up around. I mean, this, the show itself is a celebration of regular everyday people, Mm -hmm. you know, people that would not have the spotlight. Otherwise they just exist on this earth. And, you know, for an hour, they get to talk about themselves. They get to be the star of something. Um, yeah. So that was a definite, that was a definite, uh, influence as well. When I was thinking about the show. Oh, absolutely. Now, like I, you said before, it's been 80 episodes so far. You've talked to Lord knows however many people from just about every single continent. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, maybe not Antarctica, but that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> We're getting there. Whenever I see like an Ask Me Anything from one of these like Antarctica researchers, I want to say like, hey, do you want to be on a podcast? Yeah, there you but go. But I feel like they're probably doing more important things than... <laughs> <laughs> wanted to get a podcast you, you never know but nevertheless like throughout this entire journey like i don't know what your mentality i mean i know what your mentality was whenever you started but with this journey has it gone kind of the way you expected or has it surprised you in one aspect for another just with the people you've been able to bring on well you know it just surprises me that the idea works 
Um, and it surprises me week after week because, you know, talking to a complete stranger, you're not obligated to tell them anything. Yeah. Um, but to a certain degree, I feel like one of the roles that has been chosen for me in this life is the role of somebody who will listen to whoever wants to talk. And I am the person that people will come to when they want to say something. I'm the person that people confide in. And, you know, I don't know how many times it's happened where I'm talking to a guest on my show and they say, you know, oh, my God, I've never told anybody that. You know, and, and little moments like that, like I live for that because that is a very sacred trust. And for that to work on a podcast, a weekly podcast, um, it, should re it, like, it really shouldn't work. Like when you think about it, it really shouldn't, you know, because who, who the hell am I to these people and who are they to me? Why am I telling them anything about my personal life? Why are they telling me anything? Why are they even, why are they even meeting me online? You know, it, it it goes against everything we learned about the Internet when we were younger. Like, never talk to a stranger online because you never know who they are. Yeah. And, you know, you look at it now and it's like that is the foundation of so many of the close personal friendships I've made in my life. Um, you know, not to mention the people that I've met through this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, trust me, I, I've gone through a bit of a laundry list myself with the people that I could not get enough of the conversation for. I mean... I think you and me are kind of the same when it comes to like with every single episode, it, you can't really think of like bad episodes because they're all unique and entertaining in their own instance. And because every sure. individual person has a unique and interesting story that they have to tell in one aspect for another. And I think you do a great job, not just showcasing that, but keeping the conversation going to reinforce that story for each individual, individual person as well. Well, th again, thank you very much. I'm, 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 very humble that you listen to the show as, as frequently as you do. It really means a lot. I mean, I got to be a part of the podcast network because of it. So I think that's a win for everyone involved, right? Anyway. That is true. That is true. And I was amazed by that as well. I saw your name when um, when uh, when Joanna had mentioned that we had a new show on the network. It was, it was unbelievable. I was honestly surprised how easy it was for me to be a part of the podcast network. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pretty much just have to show interest. Yeah, you know what? Fair enough. Because, uh, like I said, whenever I hopped on to to your show, like I, I either wanted to like help out the network because you were a part of it to help you out, or just be a part of it in one aspect for another. I'm glad I got to save a little bit of money, but um... <laughs> absolutely much cheaper this way. <laughs> Fairly cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Christian, we've been talking a, a whole lot about all sorts of different aspects of your love and your career to this point and what you've been able to produce. But I want to go a little bit higher thinking with this next question. I want to give you more or less the dream scenario. Let's say I am big shot Mr. Moneybags. And I'm like, look, Christian, everything you've been able to produce is absolutely outstanding. And we know that if given the opportunity, you could produce something absolutely amazing for us. I have connections to anyone and everyone in the world, and I have more money than should be possible. Jesus Christ, the IRS should be chasing after me by this point. What in the world? Um, if, <laughs> give, <laughs> if given the opportunity, what would be the dream Christian Carrion project? Um, my podcast in front of an audience with a band and a desk. There you go. Same type of guest, total strangers. And I would want to have the same types of conversations, but in a in a in a in a glitzier, more talk show like setting. I think the juxtaposition of that type of environment with the types of conversations I have on the show would be really, really, really interesting. 
I think it would be interesting as well. Not only just like, you know, obviously giving the guests like the same as before, but also like how much the audience getting that direct feedback from you, that would be an interesting experience on its own. Um, also, if you need like an Andy to your Conan in this situation, I'd be more than happy to sign up for it. Get me involved. Of course, man. <laughs> of course. Christian and Nathan. Hell yeah. There you go. There we go. Absolutely. I'll have my people call you. I, duly noted. You got my contact info, right? I sure do. <laughs> I, I, I'd hope so. Um, <laughs> but sadly, let's come down from the dream scenario a little bit. Let's get back to reality, sadly. And I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself five to ten years from now? Um, you know, I think I'm on a path where I'm just trying to be, be a better person every day. Um, I think that I want to, you know, I want to constantly be working on myself. I, 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 I never want to like rest on my laurels. I, I, I always want to, uh, consider what I could be doing better, what I could be improving. Um, and so I think as long as I stay on that path and I, um, I, I, I keep finding contentment in the things that make me happy, my marriage, my creativity, my job. Um, I'm, I'm very content with my life right now. Um, as long as I maintain that contentment, I don't think it matters where I am in a few years. I, I think that wherever I am, I will, I'll make it happen. Well, good. I mean, especially, if, you know, at the end of the day, you should be happy with the path that you're on anyway. So, I mean, if this is the path you're happy with, who are we to stop you? You know, we're certainly going to be happy right alongside you. So. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. As we wind down the conversation, Christian, I just have one last question that I want to ask real quickly. Um, obviously, you're deeply entrenched in art and entertainment in one aspect or another. It's basically been part of use for as long as you can remember. How important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? You know, if you look at life the right way, everything is made of art. Art is you know, elemental to our experience. Um, things that don't necessarily present themselves as art can be art if you look at them the right way. And so, you know, art is important to me in that it gives me, it gives me more than one perspective on the world. Um, it, it, you know, I mean, it lets me look at things in a different way. Um, I think that the art that I've experienced throughout my life sort of informs that. Um, yeah, art, art, art is just so important to my life, and it's something that's always surrounded me, and uh, I think that I'm a more well-rounded person because of that. Well, there you go. There you go. I can't think of a better way to word it myself. That's all the questions I have for you, Christian. Um, I know I've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise, but I'm going to show you with a little bit more because it's my podcast. I do whatever the fuck I want. Um... Oh, God. All right. <laughs> hold on. Let me get comfy. <laughs> Are you good? Nice and comfortable? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, I, Christian, I've already showered you with a whole bunch of how much I appreciate your show, how much I listen to every single episode, partially because, you know, I, I love what you're bringing to the table in one aspect for another. It seems like every time I've seen something that you've been able to produce, it's been, like, super-duper high quality, even whenever that probably wasn't the mark. It, or if it was just simply, you know, trying to, to get the work... Oh, <laughs> I'm recording right now. Yes. Sorry. That he's, was to... he's praising me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking door. 
to be fair, I think I forgot to put the uh, do not disturb. I'm recording sign up on my door. So that was partially on me. Uh, oh, that's okay. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> deep breath. Let me get back to what I was saying. Um, <laughs> uh, no worries. Uh, Christian, like I said, uh, I've been just everything that you've basically been producing at this point is absolutely outstanding and high quality whether or not that was the intention or not um every single conversation i'm intrigued with not just the guests that you bring on but what you bring to the table in that one um odd like gone i could shower you with so much more about that but at the end of the day christian i really appreciate the fact that someone as wholesome and as honest as you is getting the opportunity to produce the stuff that you want because the stuff that you want to make the stuff that you get to showcase the world is just absolutely outstanding. I, I cannot get enough of what you've been able to do. And I seriously anticipate whatever you may be doing next, because I know it's going to be good at the end of the day. So thank you for taking the time to, to do this stuff, to, to showcase yourself to the world and to bear your soul out at times, because it's, it's noted. And I, get as much of an honest perspective of you every single time you push something out. And I really do appreciate it. So thank you for what you do. Well, listen, I hope to live up to that praise. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. And I similarly appreciate everything you do, um, you know, to, for somebody to appreciate art and, 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 and to appreciate creativity the way that you do, um, you know, we need more of that. And so thank you for that. Well, I, I appreciate it as well. I, I, I yeah, there you go. I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you so much for those kind words. Um, well, we appreciate each other. <laughs> appreciation goes around for everyone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. I do want to ask real quickly. So it's been, uh, what was it? It's been since June since it was the last time we really talked. And I know you've probably had some time to lament on our conversation or whatnot. You already asked the question, but is there any other questions you may have had for me that you like didn't get a chance to ask whenever I appeared on the podcast? Yes, I would ask you, you know, you're interested in animation and you're interested in, in, in filmmaking and all these things. What led you to the medium of podcasting to convey your love of those things? Because, you know, for, for, from a logical standpoint, you might say that like somebody who's really into animation would want to draw, would, would want to, you know, would want to create something visual. What about this medium helps you convey your love of the things that you're into? Well, I think, well, well, part of it is my own art skills on its own, which and I need to work on them very, 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 very much to get up to the part. But that's aside from the point. I think the medium of podcast really lends itself to animation and to art in the aspect of, you know, like whenever you learn about something is coming out, it's usually something that is told to you in one aspect for another. You know, whether it be you know on social media, Dizzy telling you, hey, you should watch this new thing or whether it be like a close friend of yours, like telling you, hey, did you get to hear this incredible new CD that I'd never even heard about before, you know, not too long ago and such. It's the conversation aspect of a podcast that I truly love. And the fact that, you know, for a lot of these people, especially online, like the most they'll get is to post something on Twitter or Instagram and have like, you know, the couple of minutes of time before it gets replaced by, you know, something else along the way, you know, get replaced by, you know, some viral tweet, you know, with a meme of Pikachu or something along the lines of that. Cause that's how the internet is. Like, at least that's how social media is just kind of, it's there and it's gone like instantly like that with podcasts. Like 
it could be as long or as short as a person wants it to be, but more or less, like, especially when it's a conversation like this or like your show, it really lets the artists themselves, like, truly showcase that passion that they have for the, the products that they're working on. Um, I recently had a guest not too long ago, uh, Jabberwick. Um, I got a chance to, I was introduced to them by my producer, Maria Tipsy J. Hearts. And the fact that she was able to, like, looking at, Tipsy, like, recommended it to me. I instantly fell in love just by looking at the stuff. But then actually getting to sit down and talk with Jabberwick and, like, hearing, like, the, the amount of time that they invested in the lore of this background for this, you know, simple little image. Or hearing, like, the road that led them up to this point with, like, love for animation and stop motion, like, Leica Studios and such. Um that gave me a whole new appreciation for their art than just the simple glance. And I think that with podcasts, it really lends itself to, to show the true nature and the true love that a person can have with their artwork. That's a great answer. <laughs> That's a great answer, Nathan. I, I did not plan that either. That was something like, cause that's, that's just how I truly feel about it. It's one of those. Well, yeah. And, 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 and again, that's, that's what makes you a great guest. Also a great host is that you, the passion for these things comes through and you can't help, but like follow along and be engaged with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that question. That's a, that a good question. Um, of course. Uh, if people at home don't already know, go ahead and plug yourself for the people at home. Of course, yeah. Stranger Than Christian, complete, unrehearsed, spontaneous conversation with total strangers from all over the world. Every Saturday, um, there's a new episode on all the major streaming services, strangerthanchristian.com, Twitter at strangerthanc, and patreon.com slash strangerthanchristian. And also check out Alt Langon, The Lost Carmen San Diego, again, on all the major streaming services. And this one's at buzzerblog.com as well. Check it out. Absolutely. And if you missed any links, I'll be sure to put them in the description below. So I got you. Covered. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, uh, do you have any final words before we sign off? Nothing other than this was an incredibly enriching experience. And it's really fun having this conversation from the other side and getting to answer some questions once in a while. I think you're doing a great job with your show. I appreciate all the kind words you had for me and what I'm doing. And uh, keep rocking, man. Absolutely. I, you know, I appreciate it. And I will say if you know, you ever need, if you ever need me for whatever, I don't know what I'd be useful for, but I'm a message away in one aspect for another. You know that, you know, we're in the same podcast network, the Apocalypse Podcast Network, so why not? That's right. <laughs> I I would appreciate your help in anything I do, Nathan. Thank you very much. Well, thank you once again, Christian. And for the people at home, all I have left to say is, hasta luego, mi amigos. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.
This was a podcast that I truly was like really, really, really excited to have because Christian has been a major influence on me when it comes to how I want to go forth with my podcast and such and how I want to like interact with others because if if you have not taken the opportunity to go and listen to Stranger Than Christian, I highly encourage you do, especially after listening to this episode of my podcast. Um, it, it, just the way that he handles a conversation session, the way that the conversation can flow a million different ways is something that I truly love and admire, and I want you guys to love and admire that as well. You know, if you're if you're here for this podcast because you enjoy like the kind of conversation that I have with artists, but like the way that just kind of naturally flows and such, then Christian's podcast is the perfect example of that. Um, and Christian, if you are listening, yes, I am sharing you with even more praise than before. <laughs> I I really do appreciate your podcast, man. And um, you know, I I know it's not always going to be consistently out because you need to take care of yourself first and foremost and that is very important but just know that whenever you do come back you know whenever you do like whatever you do forward like you know i'm gonna be there to support you in one aspect or another i don't care what happens you are truly someone that i appreciate from the bottom of my heart doing what they are doing and doing what they love no matter what restraint there may or may not be you know it's that kanye mentality that we kind of discussed i i just you know this was a conversation i was just glad to have more than anything else uh yeah like seriously like (laughs) i don't know if you kind of like, got that kind of vibe from the way we were talking, but, like, talking with him is just, it's like talking to a good friend, which I consider him a good friend at this point. For God's sakes, I'm part of his podcast network. (laughs) (sighs) Who am I kidding? Uh, I hope you guys are doing well, seriously. You know, it's, it's getting close to the end of 2021, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because 2021 was a weird, weird year for me. But I will say, with the upcoming weeks that I've got going on, I've got some good podcasts for you guys. i got some interesting ones. I've got some firsts and such. You know? I, I'm, I'm hopefully getting some good opportunities as well because of this podcast. You know? I recently divulged on Twitter how much this podcast really does mean to me. The fact that I've been able to to stick with something consistently and know that there is a good variety of people that love and appreciate it, that's just, you know, it's something that I can't get enough of. And I thank each and every one of you for being a part of that. I've said it a million times before, and I'm going to keep saying it for as long as I do this. Because without you guys and without the guests that I bring in week in and week out, Like, without them, it would just be me yelling into a void and no one would be listening to it, you know? And as much as I do like talking about myself and such, let's be honest, I'm not exactly the most interesting person out there. (laughs) No, but, like, the people that I'm bringing on are absolutely interesting a million times over, and that's why I want to make sure that they're highlighted and given that opportunity. And... 
you know, the guests are one aspect, but you guys continuing your support in one aspect for another, like, I really do appreciate it. Like, the most base level support that I'm getting right now at this point helps this podcast keep going in one aspect for another. Personally, I, I would love for it to go further, you know, like, you know, I, I want to see people wanting to be on this podcast. I want to see like out there on the internet, like love for this podcast. I want to see people ripping the merch because I'm not just shouting about the merch just so I can make some money off of it. Fuck. I've done nothing but lose money since I've started this podcast. Okay. Like the merch should be an extension of that because the people that I am bringing on to help make some of that stuff, you know, that that's, it's me being nitpicky. But at the end of the day, if all you can do is just listen and keep showing a little bit of love, I'm not going to complain one bit. Because I appreciate you guys for all that you've done so far. And I truly cannot wait for you guys to see or hear what's next. Because, you know, I'm having fun with this. I truly have fun with every single conversation that I have. No matter how big or small, how long or how short the conversation is. I truly have some fun. And I hope you guys are having fun with me as well. So what should be the final words of today? Huh. I'll say this. Kind of like what Christian was talking about. Kind of like you know some of the people that we admire, like Kanye and such. Something that I've established many times over. If there's something you absolutely love or something that you want to see, but no one else is making it, what's stopping you from doing it? Go out there and just do it. Do what you love. Go out there and make something absolutely incredible because Jesus Christ, more than just people that want to see the same thing, you don't know how much of a relief it is on you to finally release something like that, to create something like that, and to see the end product and have so much pride in it. Have pride in what you do. So just go out there and do it. Just do it, guys. I know you can. I believe in you. I have faith in you. I know you can do this. I know you can do this.